The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Sparkcast. It's the Christmas special. Woohoo! Okay, wait, no, it's not Christmas anymore. It's it's the January not even the Ides of January anymore. It's the it's Blue the, Monday special. It's the 2024 special. No, the Blue Monday special? Yeah. Is it, is it Monday? This Monday coming up is the Blue Monday special. Oh, it's the Blue Monday special. My name Woo! is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I am joined by Jonathan Kulite in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there, Blue Monday kids. And we also have Hyman Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. We don't sure what time zone or date it is over there because he's far away. How's it going? <laughs> Mr. Consistency. Going, going good. Going well. All righty. Uh, well, we'll start off with some fact check. And it's kind of kind of silly because, um, yeah, this is how long it's been since we've actually done it. Was it November we did our last episode? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Ed, Ed McVeigh, it says here in the notes, Ed McVeigh and Meg Bellamy will play Will and Kate in The Crown Season 6, which I just finished, so it's, <laughs> that's why I say it's silly. It was a two-parter, like they did, uh, I think they did four episodes of the first season, which were about Princess Di and the, the demise of her, and then they just did, they only did one, a couple of episodes really about uh, Will and Kate, as they are been known to be called, and... And they they kind of did a nice little send off with with uh, the various queens, various actresses who played the queen, sort of talking to herself, as, as you know, and then sort of talking and a little bit about the fact that the queen herself actually chose the Piper song that uh, the Piper played at her funeral. So, and yeah, so it was kind of interesting wrap up to the thing. I, it's funny. I, I kind of like it's very skeptical, speculative whether. It's lit. It's what fic lit they call it, right? Um, it's like or historical. It's like historical, but it's like they make it up because there's, I can't imagine these people having these conversations in real life, you know. So anyway, that's it. The crown is crown is done. If you haven't seen it, you got six seasons to to binge. <laughs> no, you guys are just chomping at the bit to do that. And we'll jump over to the headlines where Jonathan's going to take us take us into S five. 
Yeah, so uh, we'll start with some Star Trek, since this is a Star Trek podcast, sort of. And uh, we know that the fifth season of Star Trek Discovery is coming up this year, the fifth and final season. We got news uh, recently that we are going to uh, get a little sneak preview, especially if you happen to be from Jaime's home state of Texas. So uh, the South by Southwest Film and TV Festival is going to be uh, the debuting place for the Star Trek Discovery Season 5 premiere. Uh, so if you happen to be in the Austin area uh, between March 8th and 16th, you can check out about a month in advance what the first mm. episode of Star Trek Discovery has to offer. So uh, not going to do me any good. Won't be in uh, Austin around then. But uh, I may trip to Austin. <laughs> Uh, I actually will be in Washington, D.C. for a, a work conference that week. So I won't be in Austin, oh. Texas. Um, I guess I'll have to be scouring the interwebs. Like for... flight or something? Or... What's that? You were going to be our boots on the ground. <laughs> I, I, I can't this year. Maybe next year. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's the last yeah, season. Maybe next time Discovery's on. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah. Season six. <laughs> now we start season lobbying 12. for a season six so how we can make it. Start, write, start writing today, folks. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right. Next up, uh, so we have the Emmy Awards this week, the uh, awards honoring the greatest in television, unless you're a fan of sci-fi or fantasy, in which case you can go away. Uh, we, we, we did get some award wins uh, on the technical side. Uh, Last of Us won eight different technical Emmys, but uh, unfortunately, we got zero. Uh, that is zero. Did I mention zero uh, wins for any genre stuff? There was not one. Uh, this includes The Last of Us that was nominated for 24, that uh, it won zero. Of the, uh, the major awards, not Best Show, not Best Actor, not Best Actress, none of that. Um, I, we, they did get a couple of uh, smaller awards for guest starring roles for Storm Reed and Nick Offerman. So that was nice. Nick Offerman, that episode I think we talked about at the time, was just brilliant on that show. Uh, so that's nice. But um, yeah, <sighs> Like, this was a great, and we'll talk about it later in this episode, when we get into the nominees for the 2024 Spockies, this was a great year for genre television. There was some really transcendent performances, there were some really great moments, there were some great shows, you know, shows like The Last of Us and Andor and, you know... Wednesday, and you know, we had lots of great material. House of House Yellow of Dragon. Jackets, yeah, yeah, like great stuff. And to come away with like, well, a bunch of people got nominated, but they got crushed by the inevitable bulldozer that is Succession and the Bear. Uh, was just a little. Uh, I don't well, know. the bear, the bear. Admittedly, I, I I was a huge fan of the bear right from the get go. But then again, I was start I was in hospitality services at the beginning of my working life, right? So, I mean, I'm not disputing the quality of those shows. What I'm saying is, is that I'm sure that all the performers there, and all the writing, and all the directing, and all everything else, all those things are wonderful. However, uh, not a single lightsaber or blaster anywhere. Yeah, it just seems a little bit like, <laughs> once again, we're ghettoizing ourselves in this part where it's like, but these are, you know, these are as worthy as anything else that got nominated. And it's unfortunate. Well, the other that, thing, too, we had the Globes. Wasn't the Globes just like last week the, as well? The like Golden the Globes were a couple of weeks before or a week before, I guess. But uh, I, I have a tough there, time. Like... 
I have a tough no. time considering those a legitimate thing because they are just uh, the the process of of choosing those is not exactly above board. So not science, okay. Yeah, but right. uh, we will get some interesting questions answered because the Oscar nominations will be coming out on Tuesday. So when next we speak, we will have some discussions about what has been nominated. Uh, on that front, maybe we will see a little more love for genre stuff. Although, when you look at our Ozbaki's list, you might not see that. Anyways, uh, but I digress. Yeah, I think it, it, rounding out the the trifecta of powerhouses, so you already mentioned Succession, it, which had its final season. The Bear, which uh, I think got a lot more recognition this season than it did, kind of slightly overlooked uh, in its first season. Um, and uh, beef so netflix's beef oh, starring yeah. ali wong and steven yun those were just like the powerhouse ones that you know seeing back to back from uh, the emmys and the the golden globes and uh, critics choice all in in sort of rapid sequence made it pretty clear like who was gonna gonna win because you saw what happened in the first one um i think there's sometimes in the um in the film and tv industry this weird thing where it's like Everybody gloms onto this one thing, and that's all they can think about. So, if you mm-hmm. just are unlucky to produce awesome television like The Last of Us, you're just going to straight yeah. up get get ignored because somebody has already decided, oh, this is the thing. This is what we're going to go. This is going to get like all the awards. Some of which, to be honest, they may not even necessarily deserve. But it's like, oh, who's the actor, actress, or? Uh, uh, writer director producer whatever right like it goes way deep of like oh that's the one it's from the one that's supposed to win everything so this is therefore the one that wins it becomes this weird self-fulfilling prophecy i've never been a fan of that which is why when we get to our spockies the 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 people's the real people's choice awards um uh, (laughs) i actually had a really difficult time with with ours i was like "Mm, man i don't know i don't know who to choose on these so I'm yep. sure we'll get to some of that discussion. Yep. And the envelope, please. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, this one I threw in here because uh, of, of my, uh, my beloved co-host, Tim. Uh, so they were announcing more content coming for the uh, delightful Apple Vision Pro this week and announced a pretty impressive lineup of content to kick things off, including a pretty deep bench of 3D movies to try out on this gadget uh tim you can tell me whether or not you think this is going to be uh the the place for this kind of content but yeah 150 movies uh in 3d coming to apple vision pro at launch uh including avatar the way of water dune spider-man into the spider-verse super mario brothers movie avengers endgame force awakens elemental Encanto. this is a lot of good stuff and they also announced that they're throwing in there uh you're going to be able to get your disney plus your amazon prime video and uh yeah like it's a it's a not a not a not a crappy way to kick things off true and and um i've got a couple of apps that i've published already as well to get this out going um in case you didn't know i've been writing tutorials and articles and stuff on the vision pro having tried it out in in uh in august uh that's all i can say about it but um i, I did a, a talk at a, at a, a meetup yesterday on it um i i having seen it I, I i totally could see this this being um a really cool uh changing thing for watching this kind of content i mean i had seen that that dune was coming out um 
yeah, I guess the first Dune, and um, I hadn't seen the other ones too. But yeah, Spider Verse, you know, uh, Way of the Water. Watching a game again would be kind of cool. And I'm I'm a fan of the Force Awakens. I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but you know, um, I get you know because I get the sort of the feels that I get I got you know watching it as a kid. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to the 3D content that's going to come out. And and Disney has said since day one. I mean, they were on the on the podium when Apple announced the product. Uh, you know, I think the, I forget who it was. I mean, the the CEO or ever somebody was there talking about how they're all in on this product. And um, th- and this is only one small part of what the Vision Pro is going to offer for people. But yeah, the Vision 3D vi- 3D videos is going to be something pretty cool. And that's not the only reason to buy it. Obviously, there's many many reasons to buy this this spatial computer yeah briefly because i guess this does sort of bleed into uh, more than just code sort of content overlap so uh notable exceptions to uh the list of apps that will be available on the launch of the uh, apple vision pro are netflix and uh, youtube which have both said that they're not planning to support on day one um so disney and apple tv plus will benefit i believe quite immensely from that will it Will it be enough? I don't know. It's a $3,500 device, so it's not going to sell like hotcakes, right? Even if they sell well, out, there's, there's only so many they can supply. make. That's the other side of it, right? It's not just, not just the price. It's also going to be, there's a hardware limitation and yeah, ordering yeah. limitation. Is, so I think it'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens here. Like, I don't necessarily um, uh, fault the, the streaming providers for not supporting on day one, and some might want to see what happens, and some are a little bit more bold. Uh, I don't know that it's uh you know something that it couldn't be overcome literally all you have to do is hit up tim on the twitter machine and hire him to make your damn app (laughs) (laughs) and you too netflix and paramount plus like you you too could have a, a vision pro app on day one so hurry up well, also, I mean, to add to the sort of the the the, the drive to get 3D content out there, um, we do know that the competitors are are making devices, and in fact, Sony announced uh, a visual like a, a AR a mixed media headset, I guess we should call it um, XR, you know, at um, at uh, CES just re- recently, right? So, right, that's kind of cool. They didn't win the show; the show was won by the little rabbit one thing, I think, right? Or there's a couple of other things that came out of that, but. No, it's it's cool. I, I I definitely think I think that the my my impression of the Vision Pro is is it's I mean that's why I'm basically invested in all, a lot of my energies into it is I think it is definitely a future a future product and it'd be interesting to see where it goes. It's um if you believe the rumors, it's going to be a slow launch. But then again, the iPhone was a slow launch. The iPad was a slow launch. It took you know a couple of years to to for people to figure it out. But you know, if you look at the the iPhone as an analogy, it's one of the points I make in my talk is you know Uber, DoorDash, Airbnb, Twitter, um, even pumpkin spice lattes didn't exist before the iPhone came out, right? So. Um, there's a lot of businesses that came out just because you could now carry the internet in your hand. Right. And you know, so yeah. yeah. For, for folks who are maybe pro was uh, shaking their fist at my statement. Let me clarify my statements. So when I say it's not going to sell like hotcakes, it's like hotcakes are delicious and inexpensive, easy to make. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> this will sell like Supreme hats, uh, very expensive, uh, relatively few of them, but will, I believe completely sell out. So, just well, I mean, there. Apple's got some some high high ticket items. They got the the big uh, display, the uh, three four thousand dollar display that competes with thirty thousand dollar monitors for for vision. They've got the you know the twenty five hundred dollar 
Mac Mini on steroids, which they call the Mac Studio, right? And and then they've got all the laptops and stuff. So I mean, it's not like it's not you're not you're not if it's got an app if it's shiny and got an Apple on it, you're gonna pay for it. You're gonna pay. It's always been the the truth. Apple puts a lot of energy into their products and and polish, right? And uh, even what the AirPods Max we were talking about those yesterday, the headphones. I mean, like most people are walking around with earbuds, and but there's a the whole whack of people walking around with with nice Beats headphones and you know people aren't afraid to spend money on stuff that's got an Apple logo or Apple associated with it. So I, I to be honest with you, like you know, without saying too much, I I definitely think there is value in the product. You know, and it'd be interesting to see what happens with version two and when the SE version comes out. And you know, like it's it's gonna get smaller and smaller and and better and better over over the years, right? So yeah, this is just the beginning. Well, and the nice thing is with a company like Apple, they've got the legs that they can prop it up for as long as they need to, right? It's not like they need it to perform. They've still got other revenue sources and they can they can continue to invest in a way yeah, that other services, companies can. We've been, we've, been, we've been talking about this on More Than Just Code for, for many, for a couple of years now, that, that we've been watching the services come out of Apple, like the iClouds and the... Mm-hmm. All the sort of online service, Apple TV, you know, Fitness Plus, uh, news. We've been watching those things come up, and the numbers. If you if you look at the we we talk about the the what do you call it the, the what is it the reports? What's the thing that um, Tim Cook uh, stockholder reports? What's that called, honey? Uh, like um, quarterly anyway. reports, perhaps. Yeah, quarterly reports. That's that's where I'm looking for. They. The mix of products has, I mean, the the iPhone obviously is the clear leader in terms of where revenue comes from. And then, you know, the, the iPad and the, and the Macs kind of share a little bit of that, you know, and then the, you know, the wearable stuff that watches. But that number of, we've been watching the, the services number grow from like, you know, oh, 2%, oh, to 10% to almost 15% of Apple's revenue. And, and, it, and it just grows. I mean... You, we joke about Apple buying Disney all the time because it, it, it's something that could possibly happen, right? Especially with latest news of, of Disney, like not really making money from streaming, right? Um, so, you know, I think, and, and we've been watching Apple come out with technologies that we kind of, the three of us on more than just code have been scratching our heads about like, you know, stage manager and a, all this the AR and VR stuff that they've been coming out with. And then only to find out that, okay, they were, they were all driving towards a vision pro with this, right? And Vision OS, which is the new, it's a flavor of iOS that only runs on, on the Vision Pro device, right? And like I said, just beginning. We'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I must say the, the one thing that caught my eye in here was the uh, some of the sports apps that are coming with it. Is the ESPN Plus, NBA, MLB, PGA Tour, things like that. That could be a real difference maker as well, as you say, if they don't have things like Netflix. But they can offer, you know, the live sporting event, feel like you're in the arena kind of experiences and stuff. That could be an interesting development for them as well. The demo they did to the to reporters and the, and the, the demo that, that people who were at WWC got to try. A few developer friends of mine tried it too. You, you got to sit courtside, right? Oh. at a basketball game like an nba game and you got to like a dinosaur walks into the room and comes up and sniffs against the side of your head kind of thing and you, and you hold out your finger and a butterfly lands on your finger i mean that kind of like what <laughs> experience you know it's kind of like i i can you know like why watch the oscars on tv when you can sit you know next to mama on you know um anthony what's his name's mother and and watch the show like some somebody's going to sitting be sitting there with a 3d camera rig or some type and you'll be live streaming to your vision pro right so cool that's just a guess of what could happen right 
Yep. Yep. Go, well, like, start go saving your pennies, the, kids. Yeah. 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 Go see you two at the uh, at the, the the big sphere in the Vegas. You know, because some. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the the over the summer. Was it summer? Or I guess over last fall. People posting videos on YouTube of themselves at the Sphere thing, the YouTube concert. Yep. Actually, yep. there was there was a little special he put on Apple TV Plus. I don't know if you guys saw that, but yep, where they talked about the dome and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah, future is cool. So it's kind All of right. it's kind of like the Sphere, but on your head instead of <laughs> <laughs> mini Sphere, immersive mini sphere. sphere, your personal Sphere. The uh, the next thing I've got up is, uh, uh, well, this is an interesting one because we always talk about, like, when is the right time to go have a pee break in a movie? We talk about, uh, you know, what's the right amount of liquid to take with you? Well, here's your next challenge, guys. The uh, Dune Part 2, which is coming out this spring, has announced a colossal runtime of 2 hours and 45 minutes. That is 10 minutes longer than Part 1 was. This is now creeping closer to the Lord of the Rings uh, model of of, uh, film-watching experience. But uh, yeah, plan accordingly. If you if you have a, uh, a weak bladder, it's coming on March fifteenth. If you just you know maybe plan ahead, think about when might be good some good times to uh, to step out. But it, this is a long one. This is, uh, and I'm not complaining. I think I would watch three hours of anything Denis Villeneuve made. But still, well, while we were away, I went and watched the the Napoleon movie in the theater. That is two hours and forty minutes or whatever I think it was. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I did a lot of, uh, like, uh, dry land training and, uh, running, you know, <laughs> running, running sprints and, and, uh, not eating for a week kind of stuff, you know, and, and, you know, not you know, wearing a diaper and, <laughs> I, I, you know, I got myself ready for the, for that, for that show. And it was, it was an interesting, interesting movie. And, but apparently like, like we're still looking forward to what the four hour cut or something like that was coming to Apple TV later. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. But I mean, it's funny because like even even like the Snyder Cut, uh, we, I think we talked about this before, and and you know I watched that in three sittings. I didn't you know, I didn't sit all the way through it, right? So you know watched it and went you know went and had you know a life, and then came back and watched a little bit more of it, right? Um, but yeah, it's it's I don't know, it's interesting. Uh, um, I can't remember how was it when we saw it. Was the theater full? I can't remember. Did we go on an odd night or something? I think we waited a little bit. I don't think it was packed. I, I must admit, I'm trying to reflect on what yeah. that experience was like, but uh, I don't remember it being jam packed. Um, right. I mean, when we went to see the Spider-Man movie last year, that was packed. Yeah, it was full. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the the Napoleon. When I saw the I saw Napoleon at a, like a matinee. I guess it was like an afternoon. I I had a doctor's appointment downtown, so since I was down there anyway, I just went down and watched it and uh, it was pre-puppy so obviously i had i could i could sort of excuse myself for the afternoon but not so much anymore um unless i take the puppy with me but um do they have puppy shows like can you bring your puppy to the movie there? <laughs> I, I don't know that's a good one <laughs> but uh yeah let's try and keep them away from everybody else's popcorn um, yeah that's the problem they're gonna lick the floor clean <laughs> yeah so it'll it'll be interesting to see i don't know um I mean, it's. I guess. I guess it has to be as long as the book, <laughs> you know. Oh, I mean, yeah, it, is, I mean, it is a spectacle. You know, it is. It is. It's bigger. The movie's bigger than I. Rem, than I. I mean, I read the book a few years ago, like just not not that long ago, because I, I I never got around to reading it till like recently. But um, you know, in in my mind, I did you know recognize the the, the families and all that kind of stuff, but I'd never really got the like Denny Villeneuve really makes the scale immense, right? You know, yeah, especially the sure. worms compared to, especially compared to the what? Who's the guy who did the one in the 
the eighties, nineties, um, or David you know, Lynch thing in it. David Lynch. Yeah. 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 The, the worms in that were kind of like, Oh, look, it's worm. You know, tremors was more scary than the worms. And <laughs> well, you know, bit by bit, generation by generation. Yeah. The, um, the 245 is, uh, you know, probably a good length. It's a longer movie, but uh, the title of, like, epic runtime, uh, this is a visual medium. I think you'd have uh, Killers of the Flower Moon and Zack Snyder's Justice League with, like, you got to yeah. pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, three, three hours, 26 minutes, four hours, two minutes for uh, Killers of the Flower Moon and Zack Snyder's Justice League, so... 245, yeah. I think is. I wonder if they'll do back to back IMAX screenings of, of the first and the second one, right? So, the Dune, I mean. There is actually, I did see this week that uh, I think it was next week they're bringing Dune back to IMAX uh, for people who want to soak it in one more time before the next one comes out. It seemed a little soon. I would have preferred it was a little closer, but there must be other priorities for the IMAX theaters closer to the date. But uh, yeah, I, I think, was thinking actually, oh, that's kind of cool if you want to go back and, and rewatch. Or you can watch it on your Vision Pro. We just talked yes. about that, right? Yes, that is definitely cheaper than going to pay for an IMAX ticket. <laughs> yeah. You can only watch it one at a time. Yeah, that too. All right. Well, actually, no, you can do the share play thing. Like, you know, we you could sit there and watch it on your phone. I can watch it on his iPad, and I can watch it on my Vision Pro, and we'll, like, you know, have a, have a conversation as we're doing it. Or not. That sounds immersive. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. What else is going on with the Star Wars world? Star Wars, uh, well, we got another movie announcement. Now, we, we knew that we were going to get something from Dave Filoni, but it seemed like where it was headed was sort of the culmination of the Mandalorian slash Ahsoka slash Skeleton Crew slash Book of Boba Fett slash whatever universe. And it turns out what we're getting is the Mandalorian and Grogu movie. Uh, apparently, it's going to be called The Mandalorian and Grogu. And it's going into production this year, and the expectation is it will be out next year. So this is interesting because uh, they also announced that they're going to definitely do Ahsoka Season 2. We, I think, obviously, if anyone's watched that, uh, you understand why they need to do a Season 2 of that. So, yeah, I guess the question is timing. Is this movie the culmination of all that storyline, or is it just part of that story is this just a way to cash in at theaters for something that's doing really well on disney plus uh, it's funny because we always talk about disney plus being used to augment what's happening in the movies here we're getting an example of something that's done well on disney plus and now they're trying to drive people back to the theaters so right interesting yeah, hmm. yeah it was just a point on the soka she never should have gone for that three-hour cruise right <laughs> <laughs> yeah really i think for me, the, the things that kind of come to mind, um, one, people will say, why? And I was like, well, let me just use an anecdote. So every year when I visit uh, my family for the holidays, my mother will ask me, like, you know, because she knows I'm into this stuff. She's like, you know, hey, is there going to be a new Star Wars movie? I'm like, not this year, mom, not this year. And now <laughs> <laughs> this news is a little late, but I'll have something for, um, you know, the coming holiday season, 11 months Wait, from she now. doesn't listen to the podcast? <laughs> she's not a podcast listener podcast listener but even if she was she's still going to go through a list of like is there going to be a new star wars is there going to be a new harry potter is there going to be a new um jurassic park like those are the major films that like series that she thinks about so if you're disney you're probably looking at stats that are a lot more you know scientific than uh 
the anecdote I just provided. But we haven't had a Star Wars film in theaters for a while. Um, and this is a property that people really love and enjoy. You have no idea how many uh, Chia commercials I watched where they're, <laughs> they got like three different models of Grogu that you can grow the Chia seeds on. Um, like it, this is a very marketable property. And my hope is that they don't get greedy with like, oh, you have to watch the show to understand the movie. But I think it should certainly be better for those of us who enjoy it, but there should be enough there for people to hang their hat on. And I hope, also hope that they don't make it like, oh, you had to watch the movie, otherwise you won't understand the next season. Like, I think there's a careful blend here where this is a, a nice one-off movie, shows their adventures. They clearly have a lot of adventures. We don't necessarily see all of them. That is, you know, enhanced by the fact that you've been watching the show. And if you watch the movie, the show should be somewhat enhanced. But I don't want it to be like you had to catch up on your homework sort of thing. Like that, I think, will just hurt people like it needs to have a definitive start a definitive satisfying end that is uh tied into their overall like they go on adventures sort of story yeah i'll be curious to see how they play this out i mean i think the mandalorian part of the mandalorian mostly we'll say the first two seasons were stronger than the third but i'm curious to see how this all ties together and and where they're going with it all so yeah i think it's i think you're right Jaime. i think it is Time that going to see a Star Wars movie in the theater is a special occasion again. And taking this little break that they've taken and building a little bit, getting us excited about different parts of this universe and not just continually going back to the the Skywalker saga, I think is is cool. Wait, and wait I, for I, it. Wait for it. Wait for it. No, we'll come back to that in a minute. Are you you're fishing hold for sound thought. effects? What are you doing? No, no, just 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 hold that thought. You just you know. <laughs> Put a pin in it for now. We'll come back. All to right. It. All right. <laughs> All right. Fine. Be that way. Sorry, you were just talking about the Star Wars. I broke your, tra- your, your train of thought, did I? <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, okay. <laughs> One last thing for me. So uh, we got news this week from an interview with Tatiana Maslani, the star of She-Hulk. She was being interviewed for a podcast and she said, or sorry, sorry, she was being on a Twitch game show and she said Mm. uh, she does not think that She-Hulk will get a second season. She said, quote, I think we blew our budget and Disney was like, quote, no thanks. (laughs) So, um, yeah, a bit disappointing. I mean, it probably stands alone. I think I'd be happy if they just could mix that character into some of the the future sort of crossover movie things that they're going to do or have her pop in as a guest star. She-Hulk, it's funny how, you know, as they continue to expand into... I'm, you know, take this as you will, but the B level of some of the Marvel universes, which is where they're going right now, you know, they they did trot out the big ones and they are going to have big ones again when they start re, re, reintroducing Fantastic Four and X-Men and everything else. She-Hulk's always been a secondary character. She was, you know, uh, she's had her own book. It's kind of come and gone over the years. There's been long stretches where there wasn't a She-Hulk book. You know, she's not a top line character and that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think having, you know, one or two seasons and not more on some of these shows is a bad thing. Uh, And we'll get into that when we talk a little bit about Echo and some of the other Marvel stuff. But yeah, like I think that series was fun. It was funny. It had a certain charm. She was very good. I thought the woman who played her as She-Hulk was very good. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I, I didn't have a problem with it, but I also don't have a problem with it only being one and done. True. But she was also in What If, right, recently? Was she in What If? I don't remember. I don't remember She-Hulk. 
Did I miss She-Hulk? I don't remember character. She-Hulk either. She was. Hmm. Okay. I just saw Green Lady. I thought. I mean, it's, not, it's entirely. No, I think it was Gamora. There was a Gamora episode. Yeah. Yeah. There definitely mm, was. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe you were you were finding uh, the Who green. Was the one with, with Do all Captain... green people look alike to you, Tim? No, the the <laughs> Captain America episode with uh, her and Black Widow, right? Wasn't there a whole slew of like women heroes in that one, like in the back scenes? And stuff? So, so this is the challenge with what if that it has the uh, Spider Man across the Spider Verse problem of like. If you just said a random character, I'd be like, uh, well, I don't remember seeing them, but they could have been in the background. There's just like a lot yeah, of really. uh, fan service and like, where's Waldo stuff. So Tim, there could very well have been a She-Hulk that was intended to be this one somewhere in some of those large group scenes. But I, I don't remember the character being a, a driving factor. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. But oh, is this me now? It, it's, a, it's a good one to, to put in a, in a future what if, right? It's probably yeah, a lot cheaper I mean, than, than in the same to way that they tr- they bring back. I, I thought, man, we'll talk about what if in a bit, but I think they are a great place to bring back old char- or characters they've established already. And, you know, the voice actors seem to come back like you know, Elizabeth Olsen came back for the season. I think there's a great opportunity to to do fun stuff with that character. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I put on here, I, I read a book last year. People at work were telling me about this, uh, this body problem and I, I read it and thought it was really good and then we i think we talked about it coming to to uh netflix and uh i think actually i posted this story in november that's how long it's been since we've actually done an episode um about the release date but I, you posted the the trailer last week in our slack right jonathan mm-hmm. so i'll put that yep. in the show notes here we, and, and i assume you guys have seen it um my like that i was telling jonathan I, I gave him a copy of the book uh for his 50th birthday oh lord um, you had to didn't you i had to just it was it was i was going to do it anyway it but, was important um, for me to have the diversity uh in our in our uh podcast we needed somebody in their 50s because now we've got somebody in their 40s 50s and 60s so we got it covered true I, well uh, there, there was another side question i was going to ask i mean how old his parents are we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that later but um <laughs> or well, maybe not on the show but um yeah so so my here's my two cents thing about it about the book i found the book was interesting but but it was clear it's it's a chinese book that's been translated into english and some of the some of the the paradigms don't get translated properly like there's a few times when i went it's not quite how we would say that but uh so it's an interesting interesting um story i don't want to give too much away in case people want to wait and watch the show especially the number one fan who always gets trouble gives me trouble for wrecking things um but yeah, so it, 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 the the trailer looks way different than I remember the book, right? So, mm. which is which is kind of cool. Yeah, hmm. I mean, I remember the concepts of the book, but uh, but I think it's, I guess my imagination was on walking the dog or something when I was listening to the audio book. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it looks kind of cool. What do you guys think about the trailer? Did you watch it? Go ahead. I have any thoughts? I uh, am unfamiliar with the property. Um, Mm-hmm. Other than than being aware of it existing, like it's it's large enough that I'm aware that it exists uh, in uh, mainstream sci-fi circles, even if not mainstream media sure. circles. Um, it's kind of interesting to me as a like sounds like a cool idea, and I, I see that we'll probably talk about uh, the Godzilla Legacy of Monsters, uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters stuff. But um, I'm I'm burned by <laughs> by the final season of Game of Thrones, and I'm really uh like well will i invest in this or will i wait to see what other people say is it worth it to go through 
right? Because I don't really have. So it. this it's is a movie, not a show. Connection is it a to show the property or movie. It's a show, and it's okay. uh, and it's Benioff and Weiss, the two two uh, showrunners oh, right, yeah. for Game of Thrones. This is what they have been doing oh, since Game of Thrones ended. So yeah. I think that's what uh, I think. Jaime, you kind of hit the nail on the head with. I think that's what a lot of people are a little apprehensive about. Like the the last thing they did was amazing, but also kind of left a sour taste in people's mouths. So I think it's mm. it's kind of a question now of well, what are we gonna what are we going to get here? But then, you know, also remember that Game of Thrones was a beloved thing for a long time too, right? So, yeah, yeah. it's not as if Hard they're completely unskilled hacks. Like, it, things went off the rails from the uh, expectations and quality that we wanted. That's true. But they, they also created really good, solid stuff uh, in the years leading up to that. So that's where I'm like... I, I'm unsure what to do here. And and Sam Tarley, I'm not sure his real name is it Jack Rooney. Um, you know, he decided to come back and work with these guys. So there's a vote of confidence right there, right? If he mm-hmm. he was completely soured on them as a as a you know a creative body, I don't know that he would necessarily go out of his way to work with them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, on the bright side, uh Shishin Liu, who wrote the books, has finished the books. So there's that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they were like okay so let this let's get this straight you want us to do another ap- adaptation of a beloved uh beloved book cool are you finished the books <laughs> yeah yeah yep. but then there's also the production side of things like the altered carbon is an, is another interesting the first season i really liked but i couldn't get through the second season because i mean it's kind of like it had that mr robot problem once you revealed the sort of secret it's kind of hard to sort of like, but they they did what three more seasons after that, or so it's it's con- interesting to see. Like, hopefully they don't wreck this, you know, property, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have high hopes. It looked really cool in the trailer. I read an interview the other day with um, Benedict Wong, who's the star, and he said this is the first time I've felt like I've done something that really takes advantage of what I feel like I can do as an actor. And I was like, that's cool because I think he's a good actor. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I got to be honest, I, I like the idea of something that's a little less amerocentric that is a little more uh, something else. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, we talked about a couple of those Chinese, I don't know if they're Chinese, but the, the world, Earth world ones, the sci-fis that are yeah, really yeah. amazing, beautiful shows, um, you know, all, all Asian characters and Asian represented, right? So. Cool. Speaking of wrecking shows, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but um, <laughs> this is an interesting story. Uh, Charmaine Obede Chinua, Chinua, I can gonna go. I'm gonna go with that. Chinoy uh, is the director. Yeah, she's yeah. the uh, the director of uh, female director of the next Star Wars sort of. I don't know if it's a trilogy. I think it's a trilogy. And she says in this article here that it's about time that uh, a woman shaped Star Wars films. And what this is, is, uh, and this is what my, my thing put a pin in it, Jonathan, was about the fact that it's going to be following up on the story of Rey, you know, who mm. took on the name Skywalker at the end of the last movie, which you grimace about all the time. But yeah. anyway, um, yeah. So, but but this is carrying on. The carrying on the legacy, you know, it's like 15 years later, she's trying to rebuild the the uh, Jedi Order, and I think it's cool that, you know, it's going to be, um, I, I guess I guess you could say Force Awakens and all, and that, that the second, I don't know what leg of Star Wars that was, the J.J. Abrams. So uh, this is episode 10-ish? 
Not so much, but it's it's sort of the Ray story, right? So I, I to be honest with you, like I, I gotta say, I gotta say the 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 fact that Ray took on the name Skywalker was at the end of the movie was I kind of went ugh, groan, <laughs> you know. But um, but it is what it is. So now, so now she's Ray Skywalker, and so we're gonna have more of the Skywalker trilogy ish in ten parts, right? Yeah. Thanks, Douglas Adams. But yeah, <laughs> so we'll see where they go, where they go with that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of this article and in, in where I saw this in the media, uh, news media, sort of picked up on the uh, Star Wars shaped by uh, a woman's perspective. Like, uh, I would point out to folks that uh, what we what we know and love of the original trilogy was heavily shaped by Marsha Lucas, right? George Lucas's wife, mm-hmm. her, her editing skill to take yep. the, the the raw material that would have been garbage had they gone with the original cut. Uh, the first yeah. cut to what we ultimately know now, right? And uh, I'm not familiar with this director's work other than Miss Marvel. Um, but I also think that, uh, I, you know, it's pretty easy to get a little too cute with like, oh, we're like, this is like the star director. We go with this, the star director. It's like, you know, I think J.J. Adams did fine uh, in Force Awakens. And I think the less said about <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, the better. Um, so, Going with somebody who you think can can provide a new, fresh perspective, so that it isn't the same old, same old, and expand upon these things. I enjoyed Miss Marvel. Uh, I, I don't expect it to be a Miss Marvel like experience in Star Wars. It's a very different thing. Like, but seeing seeing new voices come and and bringing back a feminine touch rather than bringing it for the first time is probably the one thing I would say here. That like, let's not forget our history where we came from on this. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm all in favor of uh of letting other people take swings. Yep. So, yep. Let's go. Cool. Well, it's a famous thing in in comic lore, graphic novel lore is, is is other people taking on the character and and doing their spin on it, either inking it or writing the stories, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, people can tell you of all their favorite arcs that they've had, who was the writer and who was the artist. It, it doesn't have to be the person who created it. It can be, you know, 10 years later, it could be 20 years later, it could be 30 years later, completely, completely different. And you'll get people who hate it and you'll get people who love it. And, you know, it's why they have ketchup and mustard. Yes, that's true. And relish. Don't forget relish. Um, all right. So we're calling this the main part of the show, which is where we are now. And um, but we're going to sort of diverge from our regular content because we don't have any of our regular content this time around. We're going to talk about the four and a half Doctor Who, or I guess it was four parts, right? The specials, the four parts. Christmas, yeah. The Christmas special. The Christmas special was the fourth episode, um, and so this was the carrying on of uh, when the Jodie Whittaker Doctor um, transmogrified, or um, I forget the word, what the actual word is, but uh, became instead of Chidi. How do you say his name again? Chidi Chuti Gatwa. Chuti Gatwa. Instead of becoming. Instead of becoming Chujigatwa, it became David Tennant, which was a bit of a surprise, even to David Tennant. Well, maybe not, maybe not the real David Tennant, but the, the the Doctor played by David Tennant. So he's actually the tenth and fourteenth Doctor, I think, right? That's yeah, that's what he is. Yep. Yeah. So and and we ended up having you know three somewhat separate but kind of together stories, and uh, they at the climax of the um. Yeah, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but climax of the third episode, 
we he then transmogrifies or splits actually into regenerates. Um, I think is what they what they go regenerates. That's the word I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the Calvin and Hobbes one better. Yeah, but so, um, yeah. So regenerates into and it actually split, and it's kind of a unique situation where you ended up with two Tardises and two Doctors. Mm-hmm. Don't know where they're going to go with that, but um, yeah. So. Um, Interesting, interesting shows. I'm just kind of curious what you guys thought about the shows. I thought they were quite well done from a technology point of view. They brought back a lot of um, older characters from some of the parts of of some of some of the um, what do you call the uh, companions? Um, yeah, they they were from. I mean, Donna Noble is obviously one of the most famous companions, but um, but that's new who too, right? Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, of of the companions, well, Billy Piper was sort of the first one, and then. Um, uh, Donna Noble, played by Catherine Tate, was the runaway bride for a, a half a season or something like that. And then uh, we ended up with, I mean, some really good companions. I, I liked, I've really liked the companions that they've had um, up until, I, I prefer Jodie Whittaker as a doctor, actually. But um, some, like uh, Capaldi's companions were, were interesting. And of course, you know, we had, um, what's her name? Uh, I'm drawing a blank on now. Karen Gillan? Me. No, is, the other one. The- the one that yeah, ended up the in one? the TARDIS, became the TARDIS. In the restaurant, black hair. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm trying to remember her name. Follow her on Twitter. I can't believe I can't remember her name. Hang on one sec. We have an app for that. It's cold. <laughs> IMDb. Doctor Who. Who? Who doctor? Doctor Who. Jenna Coleman. That's Clara. Oh, Clara. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Clara. Yeah. Uh, so an interesting thing about the fact that she's, she's wearing a... Um, uh, an apron at the um, in the restaurant is very that episode. I don't know if you saw that. Have you ever seen that episode? But the, there was some speculation that she was actually the TARDIS. Oh, interesting. Yeah, as as a as a like transformed into a human being, right, sort of thing. Um, okay, yeah. So that that was my I, I, really enjoyable four episodes. I mean, the last episode or the second last episode with um, that American guy um, Neil Patrick um, Harris, Doogie Howard, yeah, NPH. Was quite good in it. He playing the mad. The dance Dr. number. The dance number. We have to talk about the dance number. Okay, let's We're, talk about the dance number. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so much fun doing the Spice Girls and like running around and like turning people into you know using his his magic to turn people into you know sparkles and glitter was oh it was mm-hmm. the campiest funniest thing they've done in ages. Yeah, the uh, the thing I had noted in our Slack channel at the time I saw the episode, not specific to the dance number was. Oh, it's very interesting that um, in this very British show, the toy maker villain uses a German accent and an American accent for uh, for villainy. Well, and the German accent was supposed to be a take because I guess this was a character that was in original Who, right? Villain. Yeah, yeah. Way back when. And they do, you know, like, I will say I'm not, uh, I was not an old school Who fan. I really didn't come to it until New Who. But I did have an awareness, uh, you know, being a sci-fi kid growing up and stuff. You certainly did, you know, watch bits of it and stuff. I know, Tim, you did too. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
I know that doing some reading about the specials and stuff like that, like this was a, you know, this, this whole sort of three episode anniversary arc plus the Christmas special all were like these little love letters to all the years of who we've had 60 years of, of who, where, you know, they were referencing things that were 50, 60 years old. They were referencing characters. They brought back so many, as you say, Tim companions, there was Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of, of doctor who's former companions and, and they all got like some decent play in those specials too. And then, you know, we, we saw um, in the second special, we saw Bernard Cribbins uh, playing Wilf, and he was one of the uh, companions way back when, and he died just after filming. So, like, he the last thing he did was was get back on Doctor Who one more time, and, and that was really sweet. And, you know, uh, it's nice that it's not just, well, we live in the now. I was particularly struck by it because it didn't occur to me until like when when we got the news that we were going to get doctor who moving to disney plus i thought okay cool disney plus will be the new home for doctor who but they said they're treating the next season or like starting with the 60th anniversary specials and into this christmas special and into the next season they're treating this as a brand new iteration of who so they're not at this point planning to put the previous stuff up on Disney Plus. It is kind of a new beginning, which is a little sad. And I was a little miffed by that. But then it was kind of a, it did have a kind of a new beginning kind of feel to it, especially because they did the, the, uh, oh, what did they call it? By generation, the by generation. That's something we have to talk about is the by generation where, mm. Uh, regeneration yeah yeah because in in the third special with the toy maker the the culmination is that david Tennant's uh 10th slash 14th doctor gets blasted with this gigantic laser and is about to die and you know the question is well okay you just died as jody whitaker and came back as the 10th slash 14th doctor what now and then it turns out that actually the doctor splits into one version of the old doctor and then one that's the new doctor. So we have the 15th doctor plus the still existing 10th slash 14th doctor. So that Mm -hmm. again, they can kind of give him a, a happy ending as it were, but this is all really muddled like this, especially for which one marries um, river song. Then I'm lost here. And also, like, didn't they just do this in, like, season four of New Who, where, like, David Tennant, sorry, Jaime, I know you haven't watched all of it, but at at one point, they already did, like, a split, because he creates a duplicate of himself so that that version can stay with Rose, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's, I like Doctor Who, but stuff like this is why I think it turns a lot of people off. It's It's a little impenetrable. Yeah. It's yeah, a little yeah. impenetrable, and they kind of just make it up as they go. And that's kind of the fun of it, because you never really know what they can do next. It, it can be a horror. It can be a comedy. You can have, you know, Spice Girls dance numbers, and you can have, you know, uh, you know the evil monsters that get you in the dark. But it's a little bit hard to follow. Like, Jaime, I'm, I'm, I'm most curious about your thoughts on this, because you are the newest Who fan. Like... Did all this make sense to you? Were you just like, well, I'm along for the ride, and hey, look, MPH is here. I was probably helped a lot by Tim providing like a 15-minute, here's what you need to know to go into the holiday specials kind of recap mm-hmm. of like, <laughs> like uh, 
you mentioned the splitting of the doctor. Didn't that leave like a like a hand behind that get the, gave the doctor back his hand? Something like that. I can't remember what the recap. It was something bananas. But I feel like that was sufficient for me to understand and and more or less go along. Uh, I'm sure it was enhanced understanding for folks who actually have followed the the lore. Um, but I I felt like it followed along fine. Um, I think they did a good enough job. I was like, okay, yeah, I I get it. Um, well, that's good. There's in between doctors. I mean, I stopped watching after um, uh, Peter Davidson um, back in the day, probably because I went and you know went to university and got married and had kids and stuff, and just stopped watching it. Um, but because there's Sylvester McCoy and there's another, there's three doctors that I don't know. The the last three before the new Who, right? Um, I know them by seeing them, right? But I don't know anything about them. I don't know. And some of the companions that were in this, this, the Christmas specials were from that generation, right? Yeah. Um, cause, and even the lady that was in the last, the fourth episode or the fourth special, she has some history. I forget what her, her connection is, but, uh, cause I, cause I was curious as to why she knew the doctor and she knew the TARDIS, right? Yep. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it, you're right. It does. It does get a bit muddled, but I think it's it's kind of like you know. But it. But then again, you know, we as not. I'm I'm not really British anymore. I'm now a Canadian, right? But but you know how we feel about Worf and Riker and you know and Morn and and you know um, Quark coming back into you know the Star Star Trek universes. This is how it feels. It must feel for people who. Even like you said, even even dragging out the Spice Girls, you know, tell you what 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 I want, what I really really want, kind of bit, you know, um, that's you know that, that's an interesting point of view from their their perspective to have these people come back and have you recognize, you know, so I'm sure there's many generations of families that watch Doctor Who, right? Who've been watching it since the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and now the 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 new Who since the 90s, right? When did when did the when did and by the way just I just want to put a, a note on I've gone back and I've started watching the um, I think I'm watching it on Prime it's either Prime or Crave one of the two of them has all the Doctor Who's and I know that Tubi has Tubi the Tubi app has a lot of the really old Doctor Who's like the the Tom Baker the seventies stuff right um, and they show they kind of show them in succession and they kind of just rattle through them so so you can get your Who fix if you really want to go back and watch that stuff but. Uh, Doctor Who was never famous for their amazing special effects back in the day. A lot of times it was just video, playing with videotape and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. It, for me, so the three, uh, the Star Beast, Wild Blue Yonder, and the Giggle, uh, as somebody who's, who's new to the Whoverse, uh, the Star Beast, I think, is the closest equivalent to being like a lower decks kind of thing of like, oh, like you really want to know the lore to get all of the details. Um, that was the one that felt like I needed the 15-minute recap YouTube thing that Tim sent um, the most. The second one was kind of the most standalone. Um, it, it kind of was more uh, the outer limits or the Twilight Zone-esque kind of a feel to it. Um, and then the giggle, you know, needed to to bring the 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 new Doctor along. So it, I think it fit quite well in that scheme. I'm a little cynical on why they decided to do my generation this time. Um, I think we all are. Uh, I mean, for one, like I, I will say that like, it's really clear that like this Disney money is like coming through and like the production values are just astounding. Um, but I also feel like Disney and I have no, no proof of this just to be really clear. I also feel like Disney wanted a 
mm, you know, it didn't go so great when we had a non-white male doctor before. I need you to give me an option just in case, you know, those fans don't like this other non-white male doctor so that don't worry, kiddos, the quote unquote real doctor is still out there. We can always move back Ugh. to tenant by just throwing a big pile of money in his face. Like, I'm cynical that that's why they did it. But as a relative outsider to who, I'm like, yeah, when I think of Doctor Who, this is David Tennant's face is who I see in my head. Yeah, I, don't have that I, I, agree, I agree with you, Jaime. Unfortunately, I, I did think to myself as I was watching this. Oh, God, are they going to do like two concurrent Who shows or a series of Who specials focusing on, you know, David Tennant as the completely different doctor? You know, again, in a in a show that is timey-wimey, that is muddled by, I mean, let's just politely call it really messy uh, continuity. Uh, I just don't know how good that is. Although, as I say, there's kind of this divorce, right? Like now you got to have like another app or BritBox or something different mm -hmm. if you want to watch the other stuff. So I guess what they're thinking is, well, this is the home of what we now call Doctor Who and we can do whatever we want here forward. And so, you know, if you're an old school Who fan and you don't like it, that other stuff somewhere else and it's not our problem. But I don't know. I, I can't say I love it. The showrunner's come back. I've forgotten his name, but he's Russell. he's the reason why. Yeah, it's yeah, he's the one that's brought back. He's one of the. I think he was from the tenant area, but there. Yep. But, but one of the things about Doctor Who that and the Whovians can yell at the screen if all they like. But um, one thing I remember about it is that they would have these Christmas specials, which were completely off book, right? Mm -hmm. Um, like there's the five doctors. This is another famous one where they actually brought back five different doctors to to meet on this planet and solve a problem right mm -hmm. um you know tom baker john pertwee and a couple of other doc doctors were there i can't remember if davidson was there in that one but um and that was and then there's like there, there's a there peter cushing played the doctor in in a special and then we, of course we had um john hurt played the, the war doctor right so there have been in the past different you know like it's kind of like uh you know uh, and it's and I guess you call it canon, but they, they kind of take the, like, you know, sometimes you get like the Star Wars books, you get like a book that's just about a particular character in the universe at some point in between, you know, the Emperor, or between, I guess, Andor now and, and uh, Ray's story, right? Um, Ray Days, I guess we'll call it. Um, the, you know, you just randomly have somebody take on a character and write a story about it. Well, they, the Doctor Who's kind of sort of done that too, and and... You know, it's arguable whether they fit in. And, and I think the thing about Doctor Who, because he's a Time Lord, he can cross over and he can, you can have two Doctors at the same time. They've done that many times in the past, right? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So but, it's kind of that's I'm the whole timey-wimeyness of it, right? I'm worried in the same way Jaime is. I'm worried it's a cop-out because people, not everybody will like having a black Scottish Doctor. Yeah. Like, like my, my take, Tim, is that like, you know, after a season or two, it's like the execs are sitting in a the room, they're like... We paid a bunch of money for this thing. It's not getting the numbers we want. Hey, guess what, writers? There's an ungeneration where the black doctor has to merge back into the good old white man, David Tennant. <laughs> and yeah. now the quote-unquote real doctor is is at full power. Like, like Again, I'm cynical. I hope they don't, you know, hit that, uh, break that emergency glass for very cynical reasons. But I feel like the way that they did it was uh, was intended to give them this out. Yeah, yeah, I must say that. Go ahead. 
I, I, I must say, though, uh, I was a fan of Chudigawa from his work on the show Sex Education on Netflix. So I had mm-hmm. multiple years of familiarity with him. But I think he's a great doctor. He's fun. He's got this great energy. Uh, he he's he's a different take than the previous several doctors, and that's what I want. When I want to, when we're going to get a new doctor, I want something that's different and new and interesting. And you know, I think there's some cool stories to tell. I'm a little worried about the first episode where he goes back in time and they're like, "Escape slave!" Like that's not going to be good. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like say what you will, but, but you like know, even. Even the woman doctor had some problems going into the past about, you know, the agency that a woman had. Like, this is starting to get dark. Um, Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, like, I think he himself is is really interesting as a performer. And I think it could make for something really, really special if they kind of lean into it, right? But you know, and they, I think the con- the the conceit that they have is he, the doctors are always carrying that that wallet, you know, with with the ID that he flips over, and it's always a blank piece of paper. And the person he shows you always sees what he tells them it says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. here's my FBI credentials or whatever, right? I mean, that may be a way that, that that's always sort of been something that the doctors been had as as well as his sonic screwdriver. So basically, um, oh, you mean his BlackBerry? So that's sure as hell what it yeah. looked like when he had his consonic <laughs> screwdriver in that last episode. Yeah, yeah, with Blackberry, and then there's like, yeah, some of them, sometimes uh, Jordy Foster's look like a, like a little claymation spoon or something. Yeah, I know. Yeah, weird. And Capaldi weird. had a had a Fender Stratocaster sonic screwdriver at one point. Right? It's so. true. Didn't he have sunglasses at some point? Yeah, yeah. It's sonic sunglasses, I think, at one point. Yeah, that's true. Yes, yeah, yeah. So speaking yeah. of the new doctors. Uh, adventures that what about the church on ruby road what do you all think as uh, longtime who fans uh oh it opens up i i really like the new companion i thought she was mm-hmm. charming mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of potential there but obviously they've set up this next sort of big doctor who mystery who was her mom how did she get left there yeah. what kind of insanely cruel person leaves a baby in snow um yeah. <laughs> but i think I I enjoyed the episode. I thought, uh, I mean, the stuff with the the you know the the flying pirate ship, and it was a little far fetched. But I mean, so was Doctor Who as a principal. But um, learning the language of string was a fun one. Uh, I enjoyed the episode very much, but it kind of felt a little bit like they were setting things up a little too hard. Like it wasn't just a fun Christmas special. It felt like it was the whole, like, here we go. More doctor. Who. Like it just, it, it, and I guess that's what it was for, but yeah, to me, it just felt like a little, little too much. Like it was, it was the age of Ultron problem, right? You're, you're mm-hmm. trying to set things up and you do that and you, you don't spend enough time telling the story that you should be telling. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I, I like Millie Gibson as well, but I mean, like it, it, she's a very much like a, a Rose Tyler, right? So, yep. So it's kind of that that sort of, and there's this whole again the whole mystery of who where she came from and you know, who her mom is and you know okay yeah. well they did that with, they did that with the Alex Alex Kingston character yeah it's the whole song, yeah right? absolutely it's the whole River Song thing it's, which you know again maybe for a whole new audience it's a it's 
unfamiliar territory. Maybe they'll go somewhere that we're not expecting with it. But uh, yeah, that was just, it felt a little familiar. Um, so yeah, we'll see where it goes. But I think she's charming. I think he's charming. I think their chemistry was great. Like the parts where they were on the ship and they're like crawling around and that, like that, that the, their banter, like I think they're going to be a really fun pair to go on adventures with. Yeah. Yeah, and and the section uh, characters are coming back. The uh, Redgrave coming back, Jim Redgrave mm-hmm. coming back. Is that that's an interesting thing because they had like that was that goes back to the seventies Doctor Who as well, right? Yep. It's sort of like the secret MI twelve or whatever you call it. You know, like the secret um, yep. agency, police uh, security thing that Britain has that they know the Doctor and they keep they're the keepers of the secrets. That's where the, that's where the Ark is, by the way. You know, the warehouse where the Ark is stored. <laughs> I liked uh, I liked it at one point when the woman uh, I can't remember if they actually said the character's name the um, the agent who was in a wheelchair she says I'm agent blah 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 and he's like cool I'm agent number zero 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 one it's like yep there it is like yeah it gives you an idea of kind of the history you're dealing with with this show like yep there's there's always a backstory because there's always a backstory now a word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now, back to the show. Cool. Well, what if they mixed up the characters? What if they mixed them all up? Yes. What if they changed their origins lately? So let's talk about what if season two. Um, we won't get too into it because the Tim's still just not quite finished. Oh, but, don't worry uh, about spoiling me. I'll be fine. I'll watch it. I'll, all right. I'll we're going to talk in. openly about it. So get ready for some spoilers. <laughs> um, so this was an interesting season in that the first season sort of had this thread that wove through the whole thing. It seemed like it was these independent little episodes. And then it sort of turned out that it was actually all tied together in this one way. And I found myself going into the season thinking, well, they've kind of told that story and it kind of tied into the Doctor Strange movie that came out, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, whatever that was. I was curious as to whether this was going to be a bunch of self-contained episodes or if this was going to be something sort of more grand. And the answer is yes. It was kind of all of those things, wasn't it? <laughs> yep. Um, I, I, there was definitely some better episodes than, you know, mixed in with the, uh, with, you know, some not as great ones, some cool moments, some characters that we haven't had a chance to spend time with. Um, for me, I thought the, you know, a couple of the highlights, I thought the um, what if Happy Hogan saved Christmas episode that came out uh, at Christmas time, came out on the 24th. That was a lot of fun. Um, 
I really enjoyed the what if Iron Man crashed into the Grandmaster, the one where they do the like the Death Race 3000 on uh, Sakaar. That was a lot of fun. Um, I really did enjoy that one, uh, Tim, we were talking about earlier with Kahori, the uh, the uh, Hodanasone uh, woman who gets the power of one of the uh, gems from the Tesseract and becomes this sort of super heroic uh, um, person in the 15th century, a young, you know, Mohawk woman who's got this, you know, uh, sort of supreme power and starts to defend her peoples. Um, although, although that one, I found myself just really stretching my brain because I thought at one point I thought, God, this is beautiful. They did the whole thing in the language of the Haudenosaunee people and it was subtitled. And I'm like, God, that's really beautiful. You get to hear this language that's so unspoken, you know, in contemporary Mm -hmm. pop culture. But then they had them fighting conquistadors. And I was like, I don't know all about the history of, of the indigenous people here in North America, but I don't remember at any point the Spaniards encountering the Haudenosaunee because the Haudenosaunee are more up here and the Spanish were more the south. So that really took me out of it. But all that being said, I thought it was a great episode. She was a cool character. And then they bring it back around where she sort of uh, returns later on in the, in the series. Um, but the thread that weaves through the whole thing is that, you know, that the villain from season one turns out to be the villain from season two. And that felt a little derivative, repetitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, not in an absolutely terrible way, but like, you know, when Doctor Strange Supreme shows up sort of a few episodes earlier, you're like, oh, this guy. And then, and then he's like, no, no, I've turned good. And you're like, no, no, no. And then, you know, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Like it just, uh, it all felt a little bit, um, yeah, just a little bit formulaic. I don't know. Just a little disappointing that that's the route that they took. Um, that being said, animation was gorgeous. I love that they get as many of the actual stars to do their voices as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Haley Atwell, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kate Blanchett. Uh, you know, we got so many cool voice performances. Again, we did get... Um, we got Elizabeth Olsen back as Wanda, right? Uh, Chris Hemsworth, uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Mark Ruffalo. Like, we the only ones we really didn't get were uh, Evans and um, and um, yeah, Lake Bell, whatever. Robert Downey, um, right? Like that. That was really like the only two people who didn't do their own voices. No, and, and the Black Widow was was Lake Bell again. Oh, that's right, Black Widow was Lake Bell. You're right. Yeah. yeah. But overall, pretty decent turnout so and i think that really adds something to the show like it feels like you're still with those same characters so i thought overall it was a solid like b minus season mm. but i'm mm-hmm. curious to see if you have different takes and it's funny i i, I kind of watch them as as like um like what if individual scenarios like like you know the the iron man doesn't die kind of thing right but um I've forgotten about the 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 through story that was in the first season, but and since I'm only halfway through, I guess really can't say much more than that. So, I mean, what do you think? For me, uh, I think one of the things that I didn't enjoy as much, although I do think they've got some good episodes, is it just has a little too much emphasis on Captain Carter. Like, mm. um, 
you know, it's one thing to have a, and I guess having a strange dream return was also kind of like, you know, with what if you can do sort of whatever you want, did you really have to spend a lot of time on uh, Captain Carter and Strange Supreme when you can do wackier stuff like the Grandmaster bit or things that I've never heard of before but really enjoyed, like uh, Kahori's character and the whole uh, Mohawk Nation um, approach to things, like, or even just weirdo things that combine, like, oh, yeah, here's some things we've seen before, you know, uh, what if Thor isn't around and you've got Hela in that era mm-hmm. and, and having an enchantment on her uh, favorite weapon and stuff like and bringing the 10 rings in i'm like oh that's kind of cool you're mixing things i hadn't really considered i'd like them to see more of that like they can have a through line if they want but it doesn't have to be as strong because in that case it's like why don't you just make a captain carter series then just just go all in on it then yeah you're right Jaime. it almost felt like they went away from the what if Marvel Universe and kind of told the what if, what if the, the first season, you know, expanded, right? Like, that's kind of what the what if was this time. What if we wanted to make a sequel to this series and had Jeffrey Wright narrated? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, like I say, I think there was lots of good things to take away from it. It just didn't feel as inventive as the first season to me. You know, it was a, it was kind of more like a greatest hits again. It, you know, hey, it's Doctor Strange Supreme. Hey, it's Captain Carter. Hey, Marvel zombies are back. Hey, at one point, we'll basically unleash all the same villains as, you know, and so it's just like, OK, here we go again. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, in a world where I, I struggle just because I've read a lot of the concepts that they're turning into these things, it was like, come on, man, tell me something different. Cool. How about that echo? Yeah, let's talk about Echo. Jaime, what did you think of Echo? I enjoyed the series a lot. Um, I wonder if it benefits from being dropped as uh, five episodes that I watched over a couple nights. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I have some quibbles with how they, they they wrap up some things, so I don't think it quite sticks the landing for me. I give it probably like a, a solid B-. minus. Um, I do really appreciate the fact that while we've gone into wilder and weirder things in the MCU, kind of like the fact that this one brought it sort of back to basics and made it a lot mm-hmm. more grounded and approachable, but for the most part. Also appreciated the uh, the Choctaw Nation um, approach to things. It's it's very different as a show. Like, this is not a show that you can sort of have casually in the background. And no. Be, no, e- be even eating, because, like, spoilers, the, the main character you know, has problem hearing. And there's a lot of intentional, they're signing to each other. So you have to read the subtitles, which I always have mm-hmm. subtitles on. So it's not a big deal for me, but it's like, oh, normally I use the subtitles to gain, like, what was the word they say? Oh, okay, got it. While well, I'm like eating a sandwich, yeah. soup or something. And there's an intentional uh, uh, audio choices where like, sometimes you sort of hear from her perspective where like there should be crashes and clangs but it's like absolute silence right. the way that the main character yeah. would experience so i'm like oh this is a show where, like you have to be focused and they're they're pretty bingeable uh, it's kind of weird that each episode sort of gets shorter as it goes along in the series instead of mm-hmm. longer so if you can spare the almost an hour by the end you're like barely over half an hour so pretty easy um and i think that some of the some of the fight sequences were just like Holy smokes, that's like an incredibly inventive way to to fight and to use some things against the uh, the, the quote unquote able-bodied people. Use stuff against them uh, and how you know how 
the ability to hear can sometimes be a disadvantage. Like that's all really cool stuff. Really, really enjoyed yep. that stuff. It wasn't quite as much of a fan of the the way it ends because in my mind, if somebody who who said if if people go back in the in the the audio logs of this very show for WandaVision, that although I did appreciate uh, the the actress for Agatha Harkness, I kind of wanted grief to be the villain like i thought grief was mm. the villain of that series i didn't think it needed a oh you're a witch so now there's another witch a bad witch for you to fight sort of mcu problem i wanted like no this is just straight up grief as the problem and i and i think grief as the problem in wandavision probably makes uh multiverse of madness better in my opinion mm. as a like through line and this one i said what is the villain i'm like family is the villain <laughs> Right. So, so your your blood family, uh, the 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 bad old Lopez boys, as uh, as put in the first episode, um, and then your your adopted family in Fisk, the kingpin, and then family at the end. You, family like alcohol could be the problem and the solution, right? Like I wanted that <laughs> to be the thing. The yeah, the mysticism stuff was like mm, I kind of didn't really need the mysticism as a cop out. I appreciated it as a historical cultural background aspect but i feel like it just didn't mesh to the ending for me because of that like i really wanted like family is the problem family is going to be the 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 villain all the way through Mm, interesting yeah yeah i i found that um it was hard to get to the motivations of it and and it's it's an awful thing because I was really excited at the fact that, you know, like casting Aliqua Cox is a, such an interesting decision. It was for Hawkeye. It is for this. Casting a woman who is hearing impaired and does have a physical disability and that she only has one uh, physical leg. Um, and then, you know, casting her in this and having her be the lead character is amazing. It's such a huge and important thing to do. And the fact that she's also uh, Choctaw. Like, these are all things that we should strive towards, but I'm not sure it made for the best show. And I hate that I'm thinking that, but I did find myself thinking that. I found myself thinking some of the dramatic scenes where all we're getting is her facial emotions, it felt at times limiting. I found that at times, you know, the fact that they were having these, what in a dramatic series would have been, you know, a very intense dialogue in sign did kind of lessen the dramatic impact for me. And that was not what I was expecting. And I found myself sort of thinking, well, you know, was like, was this the best way to tell a story to put her in these situations where she is having to have these like, you know, intense emotional showdowns when she's talking with Fist, when she's talking with her grandma, like when she's talking with her cousin and stuff like that. I was like, it doesn't feel like they're really doing her a lot of favors as an actress to put her in these situations where she's not playing to her strengths. Um, And so, yeah, I found myself sort of wanting a little bit in those moments. And it also meant that uh, Aliqua Cox was essentially acting off of Vincent D'Onofrio. Now, Vincent D'Onofrio is an incredible actor. He stole mm-hmm. this thing again, as he does in everything. He stole Hawkeye. He stole the Daredevil series. He's incredible. I think his Kingpin characters might be my all-time favorite Marvel villain that they've they've done in the MCU. Uh, it's so consistent. He is so, so 
the same character, his motivations, the way that he views things is so consistent. And I love it. And I love it. But it felt like it was his show at a point. And I mm-hmm. and I don't like that. I don't I don't think that's fair to her as an actor. And I don't think it's fair to Echo as a character. So it was a little bit conflicting for me where I was enjoying the series, but I didn't think it was taking the best advantage of who she is as a performer. And I don't think they put her in the best position as a character to become a character that people are going to love because it just felt like there wasn't enough of an ability to connect with her on an emotional level. Yeah. As, as that being said, you know, I agree with you. I think it was probably, you know, uh, I, I mean, you're right. The, the fight scenes were incredible. I loved the stuff they did when they were telling the history of the, the Chocta people and actually getting to see, you know, some of the stuff of her ancestors and that. I did agree with you very much, Jaime, that the she suddenly has, you know, powers given to her by, you know, her connection to the these people um, that allow her in the end to basically win the fight a little bit much. Um but yeah, the fight scenes were great. That the scene in the roller rink, that whole episode in the roller rink was terrific. There was a lot to like about this show, but I just don't know that it landed the way that I was hoping it would. I do completely agree with you, Jaime, though. This is the first time Disney Plus has done a drop of episodes versus week to week. I don't think this works as well if you have to wait around five weeks for it. Yeah, yeah. I- I think the synthesis of of your feelings on this and mine work where I liked this show better. Again, I already said it like I want family to be the villain because that's kind of what I was getting out of it from the most of the episodes. Um, And and having Echo, I mean, she's not like a villain per se. She's like an antihero, right? She's like like a spawn or a a venom, Uh, not in the mystical superpower sort of sense, but just like they're not really good people like. Superman and Wonder Woman, right? Um, so I kind of prefer this as like a show where family's the villain and um this is Choctaw John Wick, right? Like the, the yeah. action stuff was <laughs> yeah. like like incredibly good. I'm like, yeah, for like an assassin thief sort of villain person, I'm like, that works really well. Like I thought that part worked really, really well. Uh, I don't expect John Wick to go into like super emotional stuff because I'm there for like you know the fight scenes <laughs> and the action yeah, scenes. Tell me a great Lee, revenge right? story. Tell me yeah. a great revenge story. I, I have mm-hmm. no problem with that. Don't don't feel like you need to go to another level. And it felt like that's where it fell off the rails. Yeah. The, the one through story for me was it was like a reunion of all the actors from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah, or Reservation Dogs. Yeah. Reservation Dogs. Yeah, I don't know if you've guys seen that, but like, like just about every actor that was in it, except for the the, the grandmother, yeah. um, is from that show. Oh, and and her the, her sort of the bowl, the the bowling alley guy. I want to say no, the roller rink guy. The, her the, uncle. Yeah. 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 Her uncle. He's not from. He's not from there. But but her dad was. He plays a sort of bumbling cop. You know the Don yep. Knotts kind of character. Yeah. The Have um, you guys watched any of that stuff? It's been on my to-do list for ages, and now that it's over, yeah. especially now that it's sort of a contained amount, it's definitely on my to-do list, because I do, uh, I love stories about, you know, uh, indigenous peoples. I, I love learning about that culture, yeah. and that's, like, way up there. I'm I, One thing I did want to shout out, I, Graham Greene, uh, Canadian icon. Yeah, Canada's um, own. Well, oh, Canada's he's own. so good. Tur- Turtle Island's own, yeah. Turtle Island's own, yeah. He's, um... 
he's just so good. He's so good. I have never seen a bad Graham Greene performance, and he just steals it as as her, you know, grandfather running the old junk shop, flirting with his old ex-wife. Like he's just so so charming. He's just so likable. I love that guy. Yeah, good 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 casting here. Um the the grandmother uh, also played yep. a very strong uh matronly kind of character in the Portlandia TV show which involved a lot of uh, Native American uh tribes uh characters. And hmm. I'm I'm conflicted by the casting here and to be really clear like I I I love the casting that they did here. I love the representation and I'm always going to push for actors to get good work. Where I'm a little concerned is um I see these patterns where it's like oh like they literally hired all of the available Native American actors and actresses. Yeah. <laughs> like apparently yeah. the, the, these 20 are like the only ones that exist. And for every film for the next decade and CV series, these are the only ones you're going to see. I guarantee you there are many other Native actors who should get uh, chances and roles as well. And we've seen this happen with like, you know, every decade there's like, 10 Asian yep. actors and it's actresses blacks, you can it's hire. It's Latinos, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yep, like, yep. You, you, come on, man. Like, you, you know, if, if you're not going to have the same 10 white people <laughs> doing all the roles, you can't have the same 10 <laughs> choose a race or other uh, aspect people. Like, broaden things a bit. Again, not nothing to these actors, and I really do love their work. I just, like, I don't need to see this person again in a matronly role. I don't need to see that dude again as like the brother or the dad or whatever. Right. Like I want to see other people too. see other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a fair point. That's an absolutely fair point. Yeah. I mean, interesting. I I liked that they did this as the sort of Marvel spotlight uh, branding. This was the first series we'd have gotten with that, that branding in it. I'm curious to see what they do with that. If this was, something they created uniquely to sort of say, hey, this is, you know, it it almost felt like what they were saying was, you don't have to watch this if you don't want to, you know, like, yeah, right. Other yeah. than the PS piece at the end of the final episode, the the the, the little uh, coda at the end where Fisk is watching TV and they start talking about the mayoral race, right? Mm-hmm. Did you guys watch that? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's. The only thing that connects this really to the to the larger narrative that that the MCU is going to involve here that, you know, Fisk as mayor is a story they did in the comics. Uh, Fisk as mayor, especially when you know they're doing a new Daredevil series and they're doing a new Punisher series and you know that they're going to do Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and all those characters, those street level characters are coming back, setting Kingpin up as the big bad of New York City as the mayor. is a big and important step, but you could just as easily drop that in the first couple minutes of whatever next series is, whether it's Daredevil or whatever else, and carry on your merry way. You could skip this entire series as a Marvel fan, and yeah, you'd be the worse off for it. It was a good series. It wasn't a great series, a good series, but you know, I wonder if we'll see a little more of that minor detachment from some of the stuff going forward, where you don't have to. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, Jonathan, people in touch with you. Where would they find you? You can find me on Twitter or X and on Instagram as at JPK News, or you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash at JPK. And Jaime, people want to touch with you. Where do they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. 
And as ever, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine and the Mastodon machine and the, yeah, all the places, Blue Sky, Threads, Instagram. So until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the SpotCast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpotCast website at SpotCast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash SpotCast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.